0: The call to radical hospitality is the basis of Jesus' work toward the beloved community, the kingdom of God. Jesus demonstrated time and time again that welcoming the stranger, restoring the wounded, and including the marginalized is essential if we are to be his disciples. As we consider the effects of the COVID-19 spread, the disproportionate impact of this disease has been on communities of color, The generational damage by systemic marginalization uh, is being laid bare. The call to reverse this legacy through the expression of radical hospitality is essential as we consider ministry in a post-COVID world. We do this not because it is easy. We do it because it is necessary. We do this because the early church did this work in spite of the persecution and hardship that they faced. What was true for them is true for us. It was more important for them, as it is more important for us, to be faithful than it is to be safe. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, come to him a living stone through rejected by mortals yet chosen and precious to God's sight and like living stones let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ for it stands in Scripture see I am laying in Zion stone a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame to you then who believe he is precious but for those who do not believe the stone that builders reject has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let the church Cheer hear with what the Spirit, Spirit is saying. Friends, uh, this week we continue our worship series, Who Are We Really? And we're going to look more deeply into part of our identity that we see in the Scripture that uh, Bryson Sierra shared uh, from First Peter, in the idea of being living stones. Friends, I would invite you to pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Well, friends, as I was uh, saying before, before our live stream went down, you know now you're you're getting this live on on tape and. I hate technology and we'll figure out what, uh, what happened with it. It's not the usual problem, it's a new problem uh, this week, so we'll deal with it. But anyway, we move on. Um, the first time that Sally and I traveled uh, to Europe, one of the things that, uh, that influenced the timing was that our son was doing a semester abroad at the University of Edinburgh. So, we sandwiched that in between a couple of other cities. And because we were spending ten days there, we were definitely interested in doing this on the cheap. So, when we were in Edinburgh, we stayed in a hostel uh, rather than a hotel because you know lodging in the u k is pretty is pretty ex- a fairly good sized multi-story uh, building that is at the foot of Edinburgh Castle. And it was an interesting experience because as soon as we walked in, and uh, then got situated and gathered for our first meal, we realized that we were way far the oldest people in the building. In fact, all of everybody else that was in the building were the same age as our kids. So we felt very much like den parents. But it was interesting to watch, never having had any experience as a, in a hostel as a, as a youth or a young adult, it was amazing for me to, to see this community that had formed people from um, certainly all over Scotland, the UK, maybe even um, all over Europe and the world, who had come together for some length of time in this exercise in communal living. They were sharing meals together. They were sharing food with one another. They recreated with one another, and they were building this sense of community together that really was incredible to see, and they didn't even seem to mind too much that the, that the old folks uh, were there uh, as well. This image of hospitality is such a powerful uh, connection to our own story, the gospel story, the scriptural promise uh, and aspiration of the kingdom of God. This idea of radical community where all are welcome, where all are cared for, where all have a place within community, period, with no qualifications, come and be together. This image, this, this kingdom this beloved community, this idea of radical hospitality is at the very core of our uh, discipleship. It is our, the, at the very core of our relationship with God. It is at the very core of our call to be disciples of Christ in the world even today. And when we consider that call, it, there's, a, there's a huge contrast uh, today with the things that we are seeing relative to uh, the COVID-19 disease and how it has spread throughout the country, and the news stories that we hear about how the spread is uh, disproportionate with communities of color, that there's also a, a socioeconomic component to this. Now, the doctors and the epidemiologists will talk about comorbidities that when people have other complicating health factors that the likelihood of poorer outcomes with COVID-19 are much greater. But there's also a piece in this that's not being spoken is that the reason that some of these communities have these comorbidities have to do with access to primary healthcare, the access to healthy food, access to education. It is revealing for us to see deeper than just the numbers of who's being infected and who's dying. And we realize that these these issues are related to hospitality and who really does belong in the community, who really does have a seat at the table, who is being cared for and who is not. There's an issue, another issue that came up that was very striking uh, this week, and it's related to this idea of hospitality and who has a seat at the table. It also has to do with who has access to justice, We saw the story from Georgia of a 25 year old African American man who, in February, was out jogging. And because he was suspected of being a criminal, he was accosted by a father and son and then shot to death. And we realized then when they were not arrested immediately, though the investigators, the initial investigators, were calling for the arrest. The district attorney put her thumb on the scale, and justice was denied for a period of time. Friends, this is one more stark reminder that there is an issue around hospitality. Friends, these are difficult things to consider. These are difficult stories to hear and to understand but it's important as we hear these stories to remember that in this moment today, the gospel still speaks powerfully, very, very powerfully, about community and what to do when community is not present. 1 Peter is written at a time when the church is facing increasing persecution. This is kind of in the second half of the first century around the time when Nero is emperor. And the church was being scapegoated for all of the ills in Rome. People who were followers of the way were being othered because they were easy targets. And the church does not shrink from this. In fact, Peter is exhorting the church to stand forward in this, to not simply slip back and hide when it would be easy, when it would be expedient, when it would be safe. Even in the midst of that time, Peter calls the church forward to still proclaim the gospel image of kingdom, of the beloved community, of radical hospitality. Peter is encouraging the church to be a priesthood, to be a people that continue to work in an increasingly dangerous world to represent God to the people, and to represent the people to God. And he goes even one step farther. He calls the church individually and collectively to be living stones, to be a spiritual house, to build up this house. There's, There's echoes, there's faint echoes of the idea of the temple. And Peter's Peter's insistence is not about restoring temple worship and animal sacrifice. He's calling the church to reconceive of what it means to be a place where the image of Christ is lived out. Where self-giving love according to the example of Christ who taught his disciples that greater love has no one than to lay down one's life for one's friends. To be A spiritual house in which these sacrifices, this act of hospitality, this willingness to be vulnerable for the community is being lived out. And we do this. The church is called to do this, not because it's easy to do, We are called to do this because of what we have already received in Christ and through Christ. That we, though we are far from perfect, far from holy, we have still been called together. We have been swept up in this powerful, life-giving grace of God. We've been swept up in this movement. We've been swept up into this community. Even though we may not think we deserve it, we've been given a home and a place. And this community is defined, this community is defined not by litmus tests around orthodoxy, this community is fundamentally defined by the mercy that we have all already received. We are constituted in grace and in mercy. This is an important image for us. This idea of how we conceive of ourselves as we think about moving forward. In these next weeks, as the possibility begins to emerge of um, communities being able to gather back together again, having larger groups of people being able to gather to worship, to study, and there's, I think, a a tendency that we that we We're so anxious to do this. We're so ready to be back together that we want to run headlong into this and kind of pick up where we left off. But, friends, that's back there. It's important for us to think moving forward that out of this time of separation, out of this time where we see Both incredible acts of inclusivity and grace and mercy, but also we have seen incredible acts of exclusion still going on. What have we learned about radical hospitality? What have we learned about the nature of our community? Generally, the church writ large, but also us as a congregation. What have we learned about what it will mean for us as a people of faith living here in 2020. What have we learned? How will we extend ourself and hospitality and inclusion and care and belonging to the people who are still gonna be out of work? How are we going to extend this care and hospitality to people who have been part of this extended online community, who may still be searching for a church home but not live here. All of these are questions that we need to consider, that we need to plan for, that we need to look at. We can't just simply go back because, again, friends, we are living stones where hospitality isn't just something that we do, that acts of hospitality and grace are not things that begin with our hands, but that radical hospitality to to extend self-giving love is something that comes out of a heart that has been, been touched, a heart that has been shaped, a heart that has been transformed by the grace and the mercy that we have received. Even perhaps especially in a time such as this. There is, um, if we were, if, if this was going to be live, you were going to see a, a, a video package while John was doing his offertory that shows actual construction progress that's happening in the life of the church uh, with the chapel renovation. An interesting thing happened, and Sean, we're at the, the place right now, go ahead and zoom in on this. As we were um, overboring one of the holes, the hole closest to the gathering area doors, this was dug up from very deep under the church, this stone. It has been buried at least for decades, whether this was... um, part of the backfill when the sanctuary was built 50 years ago or when it w- or it may have been part of the original sanctuary that was built almost 120 years ago and maybe it's been buried a lot longer than that but this stone this incredibly unique stone buried for so long Has now been brought up out of the earth, brought up out of the darkness, brought up out of being buried, and can become for us a reminder. A reminder of what we're building together. We're not just rebuilding a chapel so it's safe, we're not just building a courtyard to deal with years of root problems. We're not really just building a building at all. It's never been about the buildings. Friends, it is always about building the life, building the life that reflects the risen Christ, that reflects life, that reflects wholeness, that reflects hope, a life that always brings one more leaf to the table, one more seat at the table, one more meal extended, one more act of compassion shared. Friends, we are living stones together. And as we move into a new image and a new expression, may we offer ourselves, our lives, our faith, our heart, and our hands to the work of hospitality, radical hospitality for all of God's creation. Thanks for joining us for this sermon from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope you've been encouraged. If you are interested in being part of our worship experience during this time of physical separation, please join us at 9.30 a.m. Sunday Pacific Time on our YouTube channel, Redlands First UMC. That's Redlands, F-I-R-S-T, U-M-C.